Welcome to the Confidence Mastery Unlock Your Life podcast, covering the most essential areas of personal development for ultimate success, your health, wealth, and happiness. Your host, Natalie Bailey, the confident entrepreneur. Natalie is a confidence coach, property developer, and bright red-haired fitness fanatic who is going to take you on a journey to confidently create a more inclusive, more successful, and fulfilled life. Get listening, take action, and unleash your inner confidence. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, Exciting. I I hear you're a podcast virgin. I am, yeah. Yeah? Excited? I am, yep, very much so. Yeah, cool. So this is the second time you've been a guest in something that I've done. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we're actually in Mallorca at the moment, which is even more exciting. This is why we thought we'd, um, if you're watching the video and not listening to the podcast, we have a beautiful background. Um, actually, if you're listening into the, the listening, we have a beautiful background. It was better that way around, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so. Should be blonde. Um, I'm going to let, I am. <laughs> I actually am. That's my natural color. <laughs> Not many people get away with that, you know. The battery's down. <laughs> Would you like to give our listeners a little bit of an introduction to you, what you do, and that, and then I'm going to dig on some stuff because I think sure. you've got, well, I don't think, I know you've got some amazing stories that people would. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, so my name is uh, Luke McCabe. Uh, I've been practicing chiropractic for about 15 years. Uh, I've been been very fortunate to play sport all my life. I uh, played international rugby, played rugby all around the world. And uh, for the past 10, 12 years, I've been specializing in what I call whole human optimization. Uh, and so basically taking people and creating superhuman people. Uh, and then using what we call just biohacking techniques. Uh, but ones with, that are quantifiable as well. Yep. Uh, and just pretty much uh, whether it's diet, lifestyle, uh, food choices, like I said, um, anything to environment, yep. to blue light, understanding loads of other sort of, yeah, the EMF is another one, it's a big thing coming What's up. What's EMF? So uh, this will probably be the next biggest problem I think in the next 5, 10, 15 years with regards to humans. So if we think about the way cigarettes affected us, secondhand smoking and mm-hmm. everything else like that. Uh, so EMF is just electrical magnetic frequency. Okay. And it's the stuff which our mobile phones emit, including oh. Wi-Fi and everything else. So uh, all the latest hoo-ha when it comes to 5G uh, and all the COVID stuff uh-huh. and all that sort of craziness. Uh, there is some a lot of uh, warranted basis on it. Uh, I wouldn't talk about the actual COVID part. I think that's Probably just some weird stuff, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to actual 5G, the problem where we are at the moment is it's imperative with regards to the next advance in artificial intelligence and obviously, uh, you know, 3D virtual reality. Oh, okay. So without 5G, we actually we can't run that sort of technology. Uh, the problem is for us as humans is it attacks our biochemical pathways. Not as radiation, but as non-ionizing radiation. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's 
pretty much that I think over the next five, ten years will be a big, big, huge. So we need to find a way to. Yeah, absolutely. Can't so get there, and there's loads yeah. of companies now who are doing it. Uh, you can get EMF blockers for your home and loads of other sort of things. But for me, it'll be also identifying ways where we can biochemically in our bodies. Yep. Uh, create a healthier system. Uh, so again, DNA testing, you can find out whether you're glutathione de- deficient, which is probably one of the biggest antioxidants in our body. Okay. And so you can can uh, supplement for a lot of these sort of things, change your lifestyle habits, uh, avoid phones and that. Uh, I generally, I mean, you don't have to go crazy. This isn't tinfoil hat type stuff. <laughs> uh, but like just your basic, your basic things like at night I turn all my Wi-Fi off. Yep. Uh, I make sure my phone's always on, on airplane mode. Okay. All of these sort of things. And I think the biggest thing is it's not, it, it's, it's insidious. So it's not something that happens instantaneously. Uh, but it's something that days, weeks, months, years will have a massive impact on, okay. ev- on everyone. On everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's going to help, well, if I want a better word, to contribute to less superhuman people. So your message needs to get out to help create more yeah, healthy so, choices yeah, so that we can yeah, combat it before and it starts. Like anything, uh, you know, as you know, knowledge isn't power. Uh, knowledge that's used is power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can know everything if you don't apply it then there's no point you're well, just no. as dumb as the next person really uh, <laughs> it's like so, going on a course and not implementing yeah, uh, what's the point exactly uh, and so yes and it's basically about awareness is one of the most important things uh, and then just knowing how to how to measure it and then therefore how to mitigate it I think okay yeah. could you give us any tips for sure <laughs> okay uh, with regards to the EMF uh, there is, oh, I want to say Dr. Merkel has come out with a book. There is one called EMF Squared, I think is a new book that's come out. Okay. Uh, which is amazing. Uh, and then pretty much for me at the moment, I use an EMF blocker at home. Uh, I've got a laptop stand which I use that blocks off all the radiation. Okay. And then I, I just basically follow the same things with my phone is on me it's on airplane mode okay uh and then again same with regards to wi-fi router routers and everything else like that mm. so those for me are the most basic things to do with regards to that in terms of myself and becoming healthier uh now that's a big rabbit hole depending on how you want to go down into <laughs> really yeah uh, definitely it's, just, it's such a fast area uh to go down, but again, the low hanging fruit, which is I'd always tell people about, would be uh, things like, um, like I said before, the amount of vegetable oils that are just in everything mm-hmm. now. Uh, glycemic variability, which is your body's sort of uh, insulin response to the sugar you put in. Okay. So even look at pre-diabetics and stuff like that. The problem is sugar, but we. As a nation, we think that, oh, I'm not eating any sweets, so therefore I'm not eating any sugar. Mm-hmm. But we forget carbohydrates are sugar anyway. Yep. So regardless, it doesn't make that much difference. Uh, and so the biggest problem there is that on a day-to-day basis, when we're having carbohydrates consumed throughout the whole day, we're having all these insulin spikes. And then that creates some form of insulin. A sort of sensitivity so long term that will create metabolic diseases like neurogen basically any sort of obesity and all the other sort of stuff that comes about uh, the fastest way to overcome that is actually intermittent fasting 
Okay. So leaving a smaller window period to eat mm -hmm. means that you're having a good 12 plus hours where you're not having those continual spikes. But as long as you're having two or three big spikes within that one period of the window, your body tends to recover a lot better from that. Okay. So I did that for a little while mm -hmm. and then found that it wasn't very sociable. <laughs> Life's a little bit. Life's a little bit different now. How extreme? Would you, how extreme were you doing it? I did uh, twenty-four for a month because I wanted 24. to tw twenty hours off, okay. four hours on. Yeah. But I also did the three days. I did seventy-two hours, mm -hmm. and then the next time I did that, I did eighty-four and a half. Mm -hmm. Then followed with a three-day juice. Okay. Well, it wasn't just juice. It was vegetables um, and quinoa. <laughs> So, with regards to a, so I spent uh, six days not chewing anything. How did you feel? Um, I had some carbohydrates on the seventh day and felt human again. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, what were you eating? Well, nothing for eighty-four and a half hours. I did just water. Just water. Just water. So I did. I did feel good. Yeah. I did feel good. So it, again, that's quite a big jump. Yeah, I did the, it was last summer. Mm. I remember talking to you about it. Mm. So I did it at the beginning of July, I think, did the three days. And that was hard yeah. because it was the first time. I didn't know what to expect. And then on the last day I'd gone and bought food and I was like, it was in the fridge. And I was just like, I was on a countdown and I cooked. I, I cooked so that bang on the 72 hours I yeah. could eat. What did you want to achieve by doing that? I just wanted to see what, how I'd feel and sure. if, if there was, if I saw any benefit. So with regards to that, it's quite a tough one. Uh, so with regards to men and women, on, on an average, let's use a sort of black tar brush and just say men and women and just separate because there are differences mostly with regards to hormones. Uh, so I would advise women generally, if there's no quantifiable testing of hormones, mm -hmm. then I'd say they shouldn't fast any longer than 12 to 14 hours. Men can, Oops. Men can go up to about, six, and this is when you talk about intermittent fasting. Yeah. So men can go up to about six, 16 hours. And a lot of it's only just because of the hormone fluctuations and uh, a lot of uh, ladies not necessarily know that they may have some form of hormonal imbalance. So they can just kind of push it into uh, the, the ones into, that don't know, but... yeah. Yeah, so it may push them into some other sort of zones of, of, of uh, deficiencies. Yeah. So as a really good, easy rule of thumb, that will probably be the best with regards to that. And that, that way you can be a little bit more sociable. Uh, with the three-day fast, you're not really going to feel too much. You will feel some better energy, etc. But really what it's doing is you're looking to reset your stem cells yeah. and that sort of stuff. So it's more of the, 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 the effects you won't really feel, but you know through science you would have created a huge boost in the amount of capability of your body to create better stem cells and yeah. those other sort of things. Uh, detoxes are very dangerous. I don't, I'm very away from that. Only because, uh, you know, you've got all these juicings and all the other sort of things, mm -hmm. but the majority of the problem there is that it's an, there's only about three people in the world who run three good protocols for proper detoxing. Uh, and, yeah, it's difficult because we go for a... You know, as the body's detoxing, it's breaking down all these toxins, then we need to be binding them to a certain amount of stuff to get rid yeah. of it, but most people aren't. And so you'll find a majority of these toxins actually filter up through into the brain and create a lot of brain fog and sort of, um, sort of general inflammation in and around there. So often or not. So the juicing, yes, it's good, but it's not at the same time. There's a lot of caveats to it. 
So that's why I felt good when I ate carbs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't do and that basically again. Basically, your body needs some form of carbs. Anyway, yeah. Really. Uh, carbs are not bad for you. No. <laughs> no. Uh, believe it or not, actually, a lot of endurance athletes don't need carbs, despite contrary to popular belief. Really? So you'll find a lot of the ultra, ultra runners now are purely just keto-based. Oh. Uh, and they'll use carbs as a rocket fuel. So because as soon as carbs get dumped into their releases, uh, a lot more energy. So yeah. they use that. Whereas in power athletes will need to use more carbohydrates to function and get through their, Interesting. their more explosive type of workouts. So that's, that's a nice little pivot, actually. Um, <laughs> nicely done. Uh, about your amazing, what's it, 5 to 248 kilometers in yeah, 12 weeks? Yeah. What, what made you think, I'm going to go and run for six days in, in three months tropical. in the most tropical place in the world and have the confidence to just go, right, fuck it, I'm going to do this? Because uh, I think that's a great story. Thank you. Especially after, what did you get you, um, with your bodybuilding yeah. coming first? Well, what it was is a, uh, <laughs> I, uh, one extreme to the other. Yeah. So basically, I've always played rugby. Yeah. Uh, and so my whole ethos has been around power-based sports and, and uh, sort of exercise. And when I was getting fit for sevens the one year, uh, I reached out to a coach of mine and I said to her, I'm getting really lean, really fit. And I said, I've never done a bodybuilding contest. So I said to her, what do you think? She went, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I had about 11, 12 weeks of that as well. Uh, and so she helped me along the way. And uh, yeah, that was a mad, crazy time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one night and then... Did you enjoy that? No, yes and no. Yeah. What did you enjoy? So you've got to, there's nothing nice about it. No. Like you get to about five or six weeks uh, out and you're not sleeping mm -hmm. at all. You're drinking so much fluid. I drink about six, seven liters of fluid, eight, nine liters of fluid a day. You just always have to go to the bathroom. Uh, Welcome to my life in you're summer. Exhausted. <laughs> right. Uh, and but at the same time, you do enjoy it because you just, you've got to enjoy the process. Yeah. You can't do these things and not enjoy the process, I think. Uh, it can't be a, it has to be a process driven. Uh, enjoy the journey, otherwise it's not, yeah, it's not just the, the end result, uh, is it? So I quite enjoyed learning on the highs and lows of where, you know, you get to and stuff like that. Because uh, it was quite fascinating. I've got to, after about five, six weeks and my body hadn't changed that much, or seven, eight weeks. Uh, and then for me, when I look back at it, the last looking at some of the life that eating I was doing and stuff like that it was just my body was holding down to store a lot of information right and once I'd finally got rid of that within about a week or two I think I'd shared about five four five percent body fat it was nuts uh, so how do you get so, rid of how do you do that how do you get rid of information I think the, uh, so that's like the a whole just... big thing so I'm actually chronic, asking I'm asking for me now <laughs> so chronic inflammation uh, wow so Single for you, I would say, listening to how you're struggling at the moment with regard to your sleeping. I'd say sleeping is the most important oh, thing for you, yeah. for the time being. The, the, again, the low-hanging fruit, there's so many big things which we can do, but when you're going to talk to someone, you want to really establish what would be more of the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So as soon as you're struggling with regards to sleeping and that, that would be a huge one. Uh, uh, I, I mean, you only need to... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
Because you only need to look. I mean, they've done studies now where you're okay. But they, you know, they've done studies now. People don't realize how important sleep is. Mm. Uh, they've done studies on rats where they woke the rat up every four hours, so it could never have more than a four-hour cycle of sleep, and not a single rat lived past, I think, about 11 weeks. So sleep is oh, the shit. most fundamental, important yeah. thing ever. It's so underappreciated, uh, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's when we get our rest repair, and it's the quality, uh, it's our natural circadian rhythms, and that's what sets the whole part of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people with cortisol problems and all the other sort of stuff are most likely to be a sleep, a sleep issue as well. Uh, if people aren't are starting to lose body fat, inflammation would probably be the single most important thing. Uh, so therefore, looking in those sort of what can we do uh, with regards that. to yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So... I'll show we, you actually. I'll come, I'll come up with my... It's called the McCabe model. Yeah. Method of a, uh, losing body fat and stuff like that. And it's just basically all, all, all on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, basically yeah. for people is a model that's just literally just highlighting, taking out the variables. Everyone knows you need to do calories this and this, but there's loads of other sort of intricate things that as long as you're ticking all those boxes. I like ticking boxes. Can't, can't, that sounds good. Can't, <laughs> you can't go wrong. That's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, so I would say for you, will be sleep. Right. Get more sleep, get better sleep. Not more sleep, better sleep. Better sleep. Yeah. So, and again, it's, 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 it's like that parabolic graph, uh, ideally seven to nine hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything under seven hours, you're going to lose quality, you're going to lose quality of life. Uh, anyway, anything more than nine hours, it's the same thing. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. So it, it will be correlated. So you dropped your body fat in four to five percent body yeah, so fat. Yeah, and, and, uh, and then so after the bodybuilding competition, uh, I thought, what's the worst thing I... What's the one thing I hate? And that's endurance, sport and running. Uh, so I thought, well, what's the best way I can challenge myself, really, yeah. is, is, is what I thought. Uh, and then, so I mentioned it to a couple of friends. And actually a friend of mine said, she said to me, oh, there's this horrific, sort of one of the hardest races in the world in Costa Rica. It's like 250k and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I said, all right then. Uh, and so, <laughs> all right. So why I go not? And then why not? And then about five days later, she's like, I can't do it now. I was like, oh, I'll do it anyway. So I don't mind. Uh, and then that's how I got into it, really. And then because I only had 12 weeks, I decided to set this whole sort of 5K, because I'd never run a 10K race. I'd done a couple of five, I guess, yeah. I guess if I had to think back to my childhood. Because so. you're like me, I hate running. And the, your, your challenge there smashed my challenge last December out of the park. I did 5k every day. Yeah, it was absolutely horrific. Uh, but I think your horrificness and seeing those pictures. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really yeah. pretty. But for that, so the way you go, you get over that is you, you mindset wise, you've got to change your identity. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I had to do was uh, stop telling myself I hate running. Okay. You just, you can't. So, uh, otherwise, you just live to that reality. Yeah. So, the first thing I had to do was actually change my mindset to actually, I am a runner. Uh, weirdly enough, and this was probably one of the sort of small things I was quite curious about. Uh, when I did my DNA about three or four years ago, as a DNA profile, my body, when it comes to power and endurance-based, yeah. uh, my body is around about 27% power-based. Yeah, all I've done is... Power, Pain, stuff. Play sports. So, but I'm seventy-three percent endurance based. 
Amazing. Apparently from a genetic level. Right. Which is weird and crazy. So I guess it shows epigenetics tr- uh, trumps genetics anyway. But yeah. uh, I found that fascinating. Uh, but no, I think really if you've got to do something like that, you've got to change your, your identity. Right. Once you change your identity, you can start to enjoy that sort of process of getting back into it. Uh, and then a lot of, same with a lot of these bigger sort of challenges, <coughs> uh, you've got to reach out for good help. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get some specialist help for this because uh, somehow I got invited onto it. There's only 70 people allowed to go in it every year. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. You got lucky then. Well, <laughs> well, that's, that's one way to think of it. Lucky. Yes. Yeah. So you, you definitely couldn't do something like that alone. That's, no. I mean, no. like training I mean, even, even looking back on it, even though, no, actually, I, that's such a, even halfway through, the programming I would have set myself would not have been enough anyway. Okay. It was just crazy. Like I was doing five, 10K tire drags on the beach for hours. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the, the heinous things that he thought up was just. Yeah, I was watching was just that with. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just. I, 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 sometimes <laughs> I just don't think you've, you've got that in you to, to, to be mean, that mean to yourself. Yeah. So. so you say that you were being mean to yourself, but actually you achieved something great yeah. by doing it. How was it when you actually got there? Did you want to give up? What What made you like just keep uh, going and? What do you mean during the race? Yeah. So after all of the training, like you know, you've beat your body up. So during the race, uh, on every day, I, I mean, and everyone's different. It, it's you, you realize because everyone goes, oh, you know, it's quite cool to go with people and you meet, you know, you run into different runners at any given time. But everyone's in their own little hell. Mm-hmm. So, and most times you just want to stay in there, really. Uh, and so you have multiple highs and lows, like just horrendous highs and lows. Uh, but to be honest, there wasn't a chance, uh, there wasn't a time where I thought I was going to quit. Right. I knew I was going to do it. I always knew I was going to do it. It's just where I was going to be on my hands and knees a lot, really, which is going to be the problem. Uh, I get that. So it's like, like you said about changing your identity you decided that that was going to happen and that you were going to finish that and complete it. Yeah. So in your head, you'd already done it. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah. I mean, you get there, you have that whole idea in there, but when you get there, it's just every day, really. You just got to get through that day. And then once you got through the day, you think, okay, well, I could get through and I managed to get through that day, so tomorrow's another new day. Yeah. And what was it, six days? Six days. Uh, we started off, we are waking up at three in the morning. Uh, we had to pack up all our tents and kits by 3.30. We had breakfast at four, off by 4.30. And some of us were good. We're like, the, latest, the longest day for me was like 5.30, got home. But some people weren't getting back to a camp to about eight o'clock at night. Oh. It was horrendous. Yeah, it was nuts. So you were fast? Uh, yeah, I came mid-pack. I, I think I got about 29 from the end, I think. It was quite cool. For somebody who's... Yeah, everyone, thought like, everyone thought I was batshit crazy. Everyone was just like, you're the crazy one. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how long have you been doing this? 12 weeks. <laughs> Everyone's like clown Mont Blanc and done the Saharan one and stuff like that. Everyone's like, you've been on the Saharan one yet? Yeah, the, the Saharan one? I was like, no. And they're like, you meant to do that one before this one. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> you just went straight in, like, in uh, at the deep end. So what would... so? All of, well, most of the other people then, they'd done a lot of other stuff. Yeah, so they were really, really serious. Yeah. Uh, the, the, 
there was about 15 or 20 professional athletes there. They were amazing to watch. Uh, so they travel the world. Yeah. Uh, but like you'd get for the marathon runners, you know, travel the world, getting all the prize money and stuff like that. Uh, and the rest were, yeah, just other crazy people who are in the sort of ultra running field. Yeah. And just go around being crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then you get sucked into it. So I've signed up for another one. That's on Everest, actually, in November. Amazing. Yeah, you kept so, that quiet. So, yeah. So what's that one? Tell us about that. So that one, I, I think it's five or six days as well. Uh, and it's on Mount Everest. Wow. So uh, I don't... Well, this is the other... I think for me, now I've done what I've done, because it is one of the hardest races there is, uh, everything else seems okay now. <laughs> Honestly, nothing will be as no, bad as that. No, you, you've got the, mar the marathon de Sable, which everyone says it is the most prestigious. But talking to everyone who's done that, and all, on the first day of the Costa Rican one, uh, I think the majority of people who've done that all dropped out on the first day. Like, everyone was like, no, no chance. Yes, the dropout rate was insane. Really? Yeah, it was nuts. Because so you could drop out, there were two categories. You had ex uh, expedition, and you had another one, which is a shorter route, and most of them just don't reach Ah. Uh, so what so, do you think what do you think's the difference in people for giving up and not uh, I mean I think it's too easy to just say mental toughness it is a mental thing yeah uh, I think just mental resilience just comes from practice I think anyone can can get there it's just a, it, it, it's a, it's a like anything in life it's a repetition thing mm-hmm uh, I don't think someone's necessarily, or someone can be born closer to that and more from a younger age and maybe they're exposed to that so therefore it's more of an innate thing for them. Yeah. But it's a learned, it's a learned thing I think, yeah. Have you all, can you remember a time like where you thought you were going to give up and didn't? Uh, Other than, well no, because you said that, that race, you said you weren't going, you knew you were, wasn't going to give up. No. Uh, Not really. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure there may be some small insignificant things. I'm not sod that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, no, not offhand, I'm afraid. No, not really. That's good. So what would you recommend for people if they, they think, well, I want to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then they start and then they want to give up. What's... What might have helped those people who, who dropped out of that race and not drop out? Uh, do you mean from the actual race or actually just training to do one? Oh, the, the actual thing. So actually while, when they're in there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did a lot of research and reading and everyone said you come to a point with those races where it breaks you down so badly that you question your why. I forgot that. <laughs> I did, but maybe my why was just... I, I, you know, I, it appeared that everyone has this, like, epiphany. Yeah. I had lots of times I thought, why? But it was just, and nothing, no epiphany came. And I was like, well, I might as well just keep moving forward then. Uh, but for those sort of people, I think it must be a why. Yeah. I think we do things for, 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 for that sort of thing. Uh, either that or potentially they have not exposed themselves enough times with to, in that sort of zone yeah really 
because uh, again, it's a, re- a repetition thing. They're not, so they're, they could they're, start they're, small. Have, yeah, yeah, I would say, and build up more. Uh, that might be it then. It's that taking on too much is the, the reason that people stop doing things because hmm. they get overwhelmed. They yeah, don't know absolutely. how to cope with well, all they, of those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, and they, 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 they forget the, the vastness of who they are. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you find that? What's that? The vastness of who you are. <laughs> That's an amazing... <laughs> We all got a, we this all is got all about mindset and confidence and putting yourself through things. So okay. that's why I wanted you on. <laughs> uh, again, that's just con- that's continual seeking and understanding and realization of who you are. Yeah, I would say. So, like anything, consistency. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, consistency with regards to exposure. Okay. So uh, think of, uh, it's called a, a hormetic effect. So hormesis is any exposure to a poison is actually, or toxin is actually uh, beneficial to the organism mm-hmm. unless it's too much. So for example, oh, yeah. sun is very healthy for you unless it's too much. Radiation is very healthy for you unless it's too much. Certain foods are very healthy for you unless it's too much. Uh, you you know, can have too, many, too much healthy food. <laughs> Uh, well, control, you, right? Absolutely. What would you think of tuna, for example, with too much mercury? Yep. Uh, training for you. Training is a hormetic effect because mm-hmm. you train the right amount, not overtrain. So therefore, if someone is overtrained, they have the opposite effect. So that's what hormetic. So I would say continual exposure in the right way will create a callus of some form. Mm. Speaking of that, um, what was the part of your body that hurt the most when you were doing the race? My feet. Yeah. Yeah, my feet. Yeah. They got torn apart. <laughs> like, absolutely, literally. And I actually almost, I, my ankle was like, uh, actually, uh, ruptured, ruptured a lot of ligaments halfway through. Oh, shit. Yeah. Halfway through as well, yeah. and you still went, still carried on. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Well, that's another story. I was told I had to. Basically, uh, they were very well looked after there, so we've got amazing medical team. Mm-hmm. I don't know, loads of doctors, loads of med checkpoints. You have a minimal three med checkpoints throughout the day. Uh, they give you food, water, and everything else like that, and all the doctors are there to make sure everything is okay. Uh, and the rules are, if you get too dehydrated, you need more than one sailing bag, then you're out. If you break bones, you're out, and stuff like that. And so on the third day, when they looked at my ankle, because like that, they said, you're out. And I was like, well, in the briefing, you did say if you fracture something. This isn't quite a fracture. This is, this is just torn ligaments. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't very begrudging. He's like, <laughs> so uh, to be fair, I think after that first checkpoint, they didn't really. Honestly, they, they had money. I wasn't going to do it anyway. So you know, sort of trotted up to the first checkpoint. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they sort of allowed me from now on. So, yeah. That's good. Would you do it again? Uh, that one, do not. At the end of that, no, I thought, no, never, ever, not ever. It was the most horrendous thing ever. <laughs> It was, and the thing everyone kept saying is stop and look and enjoy and you do for a millisecond and then the pain comes back and you just think no yeah. or it's just it's 45 degrees and it's just in the middle of the jungle mm-hmm. uh, but maybe on reflection I, I might do it again if I had time yeah there's so many hours, uh, others out there so I wouldn't mind doing that but if I was to do it again I would not do it a 12 week 
yeah, give yourself more like time to yeah. yeah it was just yeah. nice to be able to uh it seems i've got a 12 week theme a 12 week thing haven't yeah, you yeah there's a there's a 12 week theme and again it was just a there's a realization that often we should sell ourselves short mm-hmm. you know we, we 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 don't believe or we or society tells us or dictates what our capabilities are uh, i mean i was weighing over 200 pounds by the time i got there uh, and it was just and we knew like when i was chatting to my coach and strategizing about it i said to him afterwards he said what can we do to improve what do you think and i said well if i compared to all those other runners there if i if we were to run 250 k's over six days on flats and stuff they 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 they, they were exceptional runners mm-hmm. they were just amazing but the terrain and the heat and the jungle and everything was just so horrendous yeah. that it was just pure grit. Uh, and then I had the strength to carry a lot of water and just go through the jungle and stuff like that. So it worked out a lot in my favor. So we strategized it really, really well. Yeah. Uh, planning is key. Planning was key for that. So I was able to just grind through. And we knew it was going to be grind, really. Yeah. Uh, but, 12 weeks isn't a long time to prepare for something that big either. No, and again, we knew it was an all or nothing, so there was no off day. No. And so anything that started to hurt and that, we just well, we just we knew we were just bandaging up for that. But again, as long as we, everyone's on the same game page yeah. and we know what the outcome is, I think often or not, we don't ask first what the question or outcome is, why are we doing something? Uh, and so therefore we get lost a little bit. Yeah. So that was what I was going to ask you next is what makes you want to go and do these things? Uh, For everyone to call you batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it is because you, cause I can, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not because of, well, look, I can, but because I think what can the human body do? Uh, not that I've done massively extraordinary things that people have swum across things but uh for swam per- across things swam <laughs> you know, around swam around britain you uh, you are very humble in your response to that because it takes a lot to one go and do a bodybuilding competition and win and to take yeah i know <laughs> would you do that again yes yeah yeah, yeah. i'd plan that differently again <laughs> It's a learning experience. Yeah. So that's, for me, that'll be a learning experience. So that's something I've thought about doing on and off for about mm. 10 years. I always think, oh, I'll go, I'll go and compete. And then I think, oh, that's not that. Like, I like to eat. But you, you can, obviously, you eat. But I just, I just you know, what with, with, with that for me mm. is the, the, the stage bit. That I just, it makes <clears> me feel really uncomfortable, which is why I think I should do it mm. at some point. It's... Just to do it, but then I'm like, you know me. I'll be, I'll go there to win, and I'll, I'll go all in. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's no, you should. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would do. The so stage part is again. <clears throat> so you're looking too far ahead. So you're saying exactly what you say. Yeah. So if you want to drive to here, you've already been thinking what the traffic's like before you can climb in the I car. Know, I know. So I... for me, that would be the first thing. Uh, and so secondly. The more you practice a routine, the more confident you become. Yep. But it's like stage acting uh, in terms of... Well, I've once, done that. There you go. Exactly. Once you're on stage, 
You can't see anyone anyway. There's lights are so bright. That's a very good you point. Just can't how see did I? Anyone. How did I forget that? So therefore, what does it matter? It's like a very good point. Yeah. Very, so, very so good that's, point. So that's so that's what I would say to counter that. Uh, you can't see anyone really. You can hear some your mates screaming and all that, but you really can't see anyone. You can probably see the judges there, but that's yeah. about it. And, so, that's a very good so point. The amount, the amount of shows I've done, yeah. I should have remembered that. By the time you're on stage, you're so knackered anyway, you just don't care. Let's be honest, <laughs> you're so exhausted. You're like, whatever, just let me get off the stage. <laughs> but for me as well, like, I, I would have to go all in and I've got a lot going on and it would be one of those, I would want to take the time to do it properly. Mm. So maybe next year. Yeah. Or, or the year after. Like the, the training, I've got the discipline for that. Exactly. It's, that's, that's not an issue. And I know that if I went and signed up for competition, I would follow the nutrition plan and, yeah. that, and that'd be that. Like, I know I can, I know I can do it. It's just the doing it. <laughs> well, at the moment, it's not a master. No, it's not. It's, it's a, <clears throat> sometimes I think I want to do it, but it's one of those to see if I like, if I could, mm. and I, I know, I know I could. You probably could anyway. Yeah, I know. Well, no, you, you know you could. Yeah, I know I could. I think maybe that's the thing. It's not. It, maybe it doesn't feel like enough of a challenge. Okay. Um, yeah. So your other, your next crazy thing is you know, on Everest. 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 Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Everest in November. <laughs> yeah. So similar sort of thing. Uh, <clears throat> I think it is between. It's roughly around about twelve to 15,000 feet above sea level, so... That'll be an experience. It will. Uh, and very similar. It'll be... We've got to carry... So through the jungle, because the jungle is so... Like, no one's been through... Some of the parts we've been through, like, no one's ever been through. It's just crazy. Uh, so we carried whatever supplies we needed to get us through the day. Yeah. And then our tents and kit was sent to wherever we were meeting at our next checkpoint so we camped out and then we camped for the Everest one is we've got to carry all our kit ah uh, and then I think they will just pitch a tent but again same thing it won't be as harsh uh, it will just be an altitude issue mm -hmm. I've already googled into that and you can actually hire altitude tents <laughs> to have at home <laughs> so, kit yeah, so uh, you can do tents you can train in, and actually these little pods that you can sleep, they sleep out, they come over your pillow. Yeah. So you should just sleep there with this, breathing in. Oh, Basically what they do is they drop down the oxygen level to around about fifteen to 18,000 feet. So you, your body, what happens then it, yeah. is you're, you have to create more red, red blood cells. Right. that's what happens when you acclimatize. That's why people do high sort of altitude training. The more red blood cells, the more oxygen you can get to the muscles, the more oxygen, therefore the better function of the muscles. Oh. Which is why cyclists will dope. You know, uh, so yeah. sort of the EPO is basically injecting more red blood cells into that sort of area, makes them go better and faster. But you can do that naturally with you a tent. Yeah. Or actually just go up to. Or just go up a high mountain. And just train. <laughs> Which is what you did today. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some great mountain treks up here, though. Mountains. Yeah, the view at the top was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Probably thirteen thousand feet short of what. <laughs> Yeah, that one's bigger than the one we usually got. <laughs> but, so, uh, what would you leave people with in terms of having the strength and mindset and confidence to go and take on a challenge that's either a little bit out there or a little bit too... Sometimes people feel things are too big for them. Hmm. Firstly, it's got to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
secondly, it can't be defined or dictated by what other people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think just choose something that motiv- motivates you to want to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then just one step forward. That's all it is, one step forward each day. No more, no less, just one step forward. Yep. Don't have to do anything else, but keep one step forward. One step forward. Mm. I think that's a really nice... Uh, and then find, again, if you're struggling, reach out. Yeah. I would say. Uh, it was the best thing I... Like I say, if I find if I need to fill in gaps, and not necessarily in terms of knowledge, but in terms of application, uh, then I reach out. Yeah. So you find someone who's... Yeah. Asking for help is the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. People think it's a sign of weakness, but actually it just makes you stronger in the end. So Yeah, and you learn more. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a biphasic thing. So you, yeah, you grow during that and you learn. And don't forget that coaches actually, you learn, you get a lot of enjoyment from doing all of that and the help, but coaches actually enjoy doing that area. So it's a symbiotic thing. So if everyone decided they didn't want to help, then then we're taken away. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like the exchange of goods, isn't it? Yeah. If no one wants to ex- receive goods, then no one's ever going to get the pleasure of actually giving someone something nice. So it's true. A, a very similar sort of thing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What was the best thing you learned about yourself in the past year? Past year? Uh, best thing I've learned myself? That's a very good question. Mm, patience. Ah. And the biggest thing that endurance is, my biggest problem I still have with endurance is, is a patience thing. So, and that was even down to some of the training when I had to either go for a run that was three hours or sit on the bike for three hours. And after an hour and a half, I was so bored. <laughs> but there was no way, it wasn't about a distance, yeah. it was about time. Uh-huh. So, whereas in essence, I'd be like, I'd rather kill myself for the next half an hour and get all the miles done, so I finish early. But you can do that. You can't. Oh, no, that was not the purpose uh-huh. of the whole thing. So that was a whole big ball game change for me. Like just, just yeah, I'd rather just run fast and get there sooner. <laughs> just kill myself just to get there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would say patience and yeah, that that sort of. Uh, probably just delayed gratification to a certain degree mm. uh, that you can't always get everything quickly. Yeah, yeah so I would say. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and the reward is better when you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. So I would say. And put the put the effort in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, if you could leave people with one tip for helping them to increase their confidence, what would that be? Wow. Uh, I don't want to say be yourself. I want to say don't listen to others. I would say, uh, and yeah, improve your dialogue within yourself. Mm-hmm. I would say, and don't don't listen to others. It's a, it's it's a tough one. It's really easy to say. Uh, but I've got friends who like, thought it was the best thing since sliced bread and then others go like oh uh, you know this can happen that can happen and that can happen they all mean well but mm-hmm. 
but they're not you no. at the end of the day are they it's no. about what you want and desire and you're the one doing it not mm. them absolutely yeah great thing to tell people thank you very much my pleasure where can people online stalk you we're a fan of stalking but only online do not do it in purpose in person <laughs> that's a long way to come here anyway. uh, you find me on Instagram yep yeah Dr. Luke Dr. McCabe uh, or Facebook uh, Dr. Luke D.B. McCabe uh, yeah no problem. cool we will yeah. put all the links in the show that's notes nice. So thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a really interesting conversation. And now you're not a virgin anymore. Yay. <laughs> we'll leave things there. Awesome. See you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with people you think it will help. And stay tuned and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube by searching for Natalie Arabella Bailey and join the Better Together for a Gold Star Life Facebook community to improve your confidence, network and life.